there is a future of SEO and online marketing. It's not dead. People have been saying it's dead for ages. We built the 21st fastest growing company in the United States, according to Inc. Magazine, uh, through SEO. Now, we've done many things since then to continually grow. SEO will not build you the biggest company in the world or anything like that, nor will paid advertising, but you're going to have to take an omni-channel approach. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy and excited, should I say honored as well? I don't know, maybe, uh, to be joined by Neil Patel. Neil is the co-founder of NP Digital. The Wall Street Journal calls him a top influencer on the web. Form says he's one of the top 10 marketers and Entrepreneur Magazine says he created one of the 100 most brilliant companies. I don't know, you know, which company they refer to. You will tell me uh, because I know you've launched many, many companies. Uh, Neil is a New York Times Times bestselling author and was recognized as a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 30 by President Obama and a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 35 by the United Nations. Neil, welcome. Uh, Thanks for having me. So needless to say that as you know, most people, I guess, who are into marketing, I started my career by reading your blog. And so you were always this iconic figure, I guess, for, for me and kind of a, a role model as I was like get, getting into marketing and, and trying to, to figure things out. I will not ask you the first question we ask most people who, who join us here at the, at the podcast to, to share a few things about your background because I guess people can, you know, um, watch one of the many interviews we've you, you've done uh, to learn more about you. Um, but I will ask about NPG, NP Digital. So for people who are not aware of NP Digital, can you please share a few things about NP, NP Digital, um, who you are and um, who gets the most value out of the service? Sure. So NP Digital is a global performance marketing agency. We help people and companies all around the world increase their traffic to their websites, generate more leads, generate more sales, whether it's through paid ads or social media or media buys or SEO or conversion optimization or email marketing. Um, The list goes on and on. 
And yeah, we've been helping a lot of enterprise companies um, and been having a blast from it, from, you know, like the Adobe's of the world to LinkedIn's to, um, you know, Panasonic that we recently just closed, but we have uh, tons of uh, big brands, Accor Hotels, uh, CNN, ESPN, uh, PwC, Intuit, et cetera. And the growth has been, the growth of the agency, I mean, has been like impressive, right? And one of the things that you say very often, and I'm really interested in that, is the fact that you actually, you know, when you say that we have presence in these countries, you actually have local operations there who serve, you know, clients from these countries, which I think makes a like very big difference in how NP Digital is perceived in these countries, right? Yes, we have, we'll, we'll have local operations in the countries. So for example, we have a team in Brazil, team in India, and the team in India isn't outsourcing for America to India. The team in India is to service companies in India. Like we work with Tata. Tata has some of the biggest companies, like they own Range Rover and Jaguar. Uh, I think Jaguar was an Austin Martin. I think Range Rover, Austin Martin, uh, they own Taj Hotels. They own a lot of businesses. It's one of the uh, largest companies in the world, but yeah, we have local operations. We have that in many countries. Like we have, you know, someone in Singapore, uh, to help with APAC. We have people in Malaysia. Now we have people in Philippines and Australia. Uh, we added France recently, Italy, Spain. Um, we're going to release Germany soon and Netherlands soon. We're interviewing right now. My co-founder, as we're doing this interview, is interviewing someone to potentially lead up uh, MENA for us, which is Middle East and North Africa. So, but yeah, we have people in these regions to service that market. I think that's a great lesson for, for agencies who want to expand globally. Um, I would like to ask you, I, will, I would like to start from this question. You're doing this for almost, I don't know if not over, uh, two decades now. Have you seen anything like the changes we are experiencing right now? I'm referring to generative AI, more specifically, you know, content and uh, Google's S SG. Uh, we haven't seen tons of changes and impact yet. Like when we're looking at analytics, we're seeing websites still getting a lot of traffic. We're seeing search volumes still being great on places like Google uh, and even Bing. We're not seeing Bing take away really any market share from Google from what we're seeing based on the actual analytics and data because uh, we track a lot of websites. Um, we do think in the long run it will have an impact, but we think the impact will be positive. And when I say positive, that doesn't mean a website will get more traffic or even less traffic. What I mean positive is it's going to create a better experience for the searchers, which will cause the platforms to be more popular as well. And this generative AI can also help companies with things like creatives. So when you're doing advertising campaigns, it costs so much money to film ads in different countries and with different backgrounds and doing different variations. But with AI, you can start spinning up different backgrounds and images and changes for pennies on the dollar. Um, the other thing that is it can also create revenue potential. So for example, there's this company called Alpha Insights. Alpha Insights uh, is a research firm and they'll pay people for consultations, like calls for an hour or two hours. And they may give you a thousand dollars an hour, 500 or 5,000 an hour. It's whatever you negotiate with them and companies hire them to get feedback on whatever industry they're interested in. So for example, literally two hours before this interview, 
okay? I got hit up from someone at Alpha Insights and I get hit up by them every once in a while. And they wanted me to do a call with a management consulting company in the Middle East. I didn't do it. We couldn't come to an agreement on pricing and I also didn't care to do it. So I just told them, give me $10,000 for the hour. I knew they were going to say no. But if they said yes, I'm like, okay, I'll jump on a call with the hour. But I was also with my children and helping get ready for school. So getting two, $3,000 for the hour, it's a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But I'd rather see my kids grow up and be there for them than make more money because I don't believe money is everything in this world. But the way he chose me was he used Chad GPT and asked a question on, I'm looking for information on social media and social media engagement. What expert should I talk to to get advice on this? And Chad GPT's response was talk to Neil Patel. I'm not saying I'm, I'm popular or I'm famous or I'm the one people should be talking to. More so, the point I'm trying to make is you can also generate business from these tools as well. Yes, it may take away traffic from your business, but it can also provide business to you as well. For example, if they ask ChatGPT what agencies I can talk to within these regions, if ChatGPT gave mine as an answer and you optimize for ChatGPT, which creates a new form of marketing, that can also help you produce more income as well. I wonder if they had, if uh, uh, this person had uh, Bing uh, on uh, when like he conducted the search or was that, you know, an answer given by ChatGPT based on the data it was trained on? I guess, you know. It was from ChatGPT, it was not from Bing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. I think that's that's a difficult pitch to make to our clients at least, you know, that let's let's optimize for that now because it's a, it's a completely different game, Look, right? It, it's not about let's optimize for that now. Um, technically, it is. It depends how you perceive that. It's more so let's optimize for all the existing stuff because it produces results. And let's also spend a small portion of the time optimizing for ChatGPT and being and BART when they're using uh, their generative AI. So it's a combination of, of both. It's a very small percentage that should go to Chad GPT, et cetera, because it's not proven yet on how much revenue can drive a business and businesses are ROI based, but there's nothing wrong with spending $10,000 a year, $20,000 a year. If you're a really massive corporation, you know, even $100,000 a year. If you're a company that's doing 10 billion a year in profit, what's spending a few hundred thousand dollars a year on some of these platforms and just being prepared? The risk is low. Another thing that I, uh, you know, uh, they they released plugins. Speaking of ChatGPT, they released plugins the other day and uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. And I thought, oh man, this is another opportunity, right? For for plugins, I, I don't I don't think that as of now they have any paid plugins or anything like that. But that's a great opportunity. For example, I know that you use um, uh, for for NP Digital tools like Ubersuggest and. Uh, Recently, you you acquired another tool, Answer the Public, as a vehicle uh, for growth. And I've you know uh, heard you speak about that, and I think this is a brilliant strategy actually. But I'm thinking about you know what, like moving forward, why not like launching a, a plugin for that's dedicated to to ChatGPT? Do do you think that could be also like a, a way to get in front of you know these people's eyes, I mean the users now? Potentially, uh, it depends on the adoption. But I, 
I, I don't know the right or wrong answer. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff, sadly, is going to be experimentation. You try three, four, five different approaches and you see what sticks and you double down on the stuff that's producing ROI or at least in the beginning, getting some traction. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. Um, now, you, you started your career um, as an SEO professional. And then, of course, got into pretty much everything uh, around online marketing, right? Do you think there is a future for SEO in online marketing? And if yes, how does that future look like? There is a future of SEO and online marketing. It's not dead. People have been saying it's dead for ages. We built the 21st fastest growing company in the United States, according to Inc. Magazine, uh, through SEO. Now, we've done many things since then to continually grow. SEO will not build you the biggest company in the world or anything like that, nor will paid advertising, but you're going to have to take an omni-channel approach. You're going to have to do SEO. You're going to have to do email marketing. People say email marketing has been dead for ages and people don't use email, yet MailChimp sold for double-digit billions. So is email marketing really dead if MailChimp sold for that much? Or look at Clavio. Clavio filed to go public. And uh, the, what I read online is they either do 600 or 700 million a year in revenue. Email marketing can be dead if they're doing that much in revenue, right? But we all have these notions in our head. Oh, there's this new shiny object, TikTok. We should be spending all our time on that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't leverage TikTok, but there's all these old, boring, ugly channels that still produce massive ROIs. You should be doing those first because they're proven and then spend a portion of the time on TikTok and whatever else is new that people are talking about. The reason I'm asking this question, and I agree with you, like every, I, I mean, usually at the end of the year, towards the end of the year, you see these articles like, you know, or these headlines or something like that, that SEO is dead and so on and so forth. So I don't know. I agree with you. There is a future for, for SEO, but at the same time, I expect, you know, things to change, especially with Google's, you know, SG. Um, by the way, have you, have you tried uh, SG? What do you I think of it? I think it's great. Um, I love it. The user experience is better, but there's still tons and tons of queries where they don't provide that. People said SEO is going to change drastically with knowledge graph because they're answering a lot of questions for you and giving you the data. That's true. People are getting a lot less clicks, but there's still a lot of revenue to be made. And funny enough, uh, it depends on the industry as well. When you talk about clicks, I'm talking about percentage-wise of the people searching. But in total, Google has continually driven more clicks to websites each and every single year since their existence, according to Danny Sullivan, who works at Google. One thing I, you know, one thought I have about that is assuming that websites get less traffic, right? Maybe that's that's a possible outcome, right? That may not be a bad thing after all, if we think that, you know what, after all these like interaction and quote-unquote clutter on the SERP, if someone ends up visiting your website after all, maybe there is a higher intent there. Maybe there is a stronger intent either to learn something or to like take some sort of action with a monetary value. Do you see that happening? I mean, intent being like more uh, stronger uh, from visits? So check this out. So we did brand recall studies. When you look at like knowledge graph and sometimes Google giving you an answer and saying what site they got it from, We've seen when we do brand recall studies that even though people aren't clicking on your website, when they're seeing your name, seeing the answer, seeing the company logo or not logo, company name, uh, 
it's causing more overall revenue than not being there. Uh, we think something similar is going to happen with uh, AI and search engines. So you have to be present, right? This is this is the point. Yes, because just because someone doesn't go to your website, but if they're getting the knowledge from you and it's clear that it's coming from you, still helps with branding. You see all these TV commercials and you see Nike everywhere around the whole world, right? Not just in the US, not just in Europe, they're literally around the whole world. Nike's not getting clicks to the website from a lot of these ads, but that branding has helped Nike become one of the most popular shoe companies in the world, if not the most popular shoe company in the world. Yeah. Can I ask you though, let's say that uh, a director of SEO at a SaaS company is listening to this episode and most likely they are confused, maybe even concerned about the announcements and the new ST and all that, you know, uh, stuff. What would you advise them? Like keep doing the same stuff or keep in mind that what you're doing, what, what you've been doing so far probably won't work in a while. So you should probably have to shift your focus and kind of rethink your strategy. No, so it's a big unknown on what percentage of the SERPs it's going to impact and how it's going to impact all different industries, including SaaS. If I were them, I would be spending 90, 95% of my time on what's been working in the past, including traditional SEO. And then let's say if you're just talking about SEO, spend 90, 95% of the time on the traditional SEO, carve out 5% of the time to have your team learn about the changes that are happening and figure out unique strategies that they can use to adapt. That's how I would structure it. And that's a good point because, I mean, we had questions from some of our clients kind of rushed, you know, let's change the strategy and so on and so forth. And I mean, we wouldn't advise that because we don't know what this thing will, will be, right? It's still in beta and the public version may be completely different than what we see right now. Like, how can you optimize for that? How can you, can you prepare for that? So check this out. Did you know that Google generates over $30 billion a year from publisher sites? like AdSense, sites running AdSense. Did you know over $30 billion a year? It's a little bit more than 30 billion, okay? So if it's $30 billion, right? And I got this data from Statista, which is, I'm assuming they're just pulling it from Google's uh, earnings report. If it's 30 plus billion dollars a year, how do you think most of these publishers who are running AdSense get their traffic? What do you think? How do you think most of these sites get their traffic? When you see sites with AdSense, how do you think they get their traffic? Google? Or yeah, but are they buying it from Google or do you think it's organic? If I had to guess, I would say organic. Right, because if they're buying it from Google, it would be really expensive to get a click over your website and then only a small percentage will click on the ads, which makes it really hard for that to be profitable, right? Most of them get their traffic organically. If Google just crushed all the organic rankings, that $30 billion wouldn't go to zero, but it would go down drastically. Do you think they would just do that and potentially affect their stock in a really negative way when they're a trillion dollar company? No, it, it doesn't logically make sense. Would they make changes over time if they know how they can replace that revenue with these AI changes? Sure, they may do that because it's just a math equation at that point. But just like how we don't know what's gonna happen, they also don't know how these changes are gonna impact their revenue. It's unknown yet. They may have some ideas, they may have run some tests, but they haven't rolled it out fully to everyone, so it's too hard to make assumptions. 
That's a very, very, very good point. Uh, very valid one and, you know, uh, backed by data. So uh, I don't think I can say anything. Um, These publicly traded companies, no one is just going to squash 10, 20, 30 billion dollars in revenue. And the reason I say 10, 20 is it wouldn't all go to zero. So what portion do you end up losing? that's a lot of money. People don't just make those changes overnight. They think about these kind of things. They're planned, yeah. right? These companies have shareholders. Shareholders are looking for revenue gains, not revenue being flat. They're looking for revenue gains and profitability increase over time. They want more revenue and more profit. That's it. That's how the majority of companies are valued in the public markets. And if they can't produce that, typically that means your stock is going to go down. If the stock goes down, that means the leaders, the board members, they all make less money as well. And they won't be happy, right? Um, do you see, though, a possibility that people will say that, you know what? Okay, we don't know what this thing is yet, but maybe we should not keep all our, you know, all the eggs that we have in the same basket and we should kind of try to uh, invest in other channels. Now, I heard you say in a podcast that uh, CACs are, for example, for paid, um, are on the rise basically and by the end of the year they will be you know they will go through the roof do you see a possibility that this will happen like you know paid will will get uh, more ground or other channels and if yes if so please yeah so first off with the omni-channel approach people should have been doing omni-channel a long time ago and when i say omni-channel I'm not talking multi-channel there's a difference here being on facebook instagram twitter google you know being etc that's multi-channel being on those channels and having the channels work together and creating a congruent experience for the end user, that's omni-channel, right? Th that's the nuance between the two. But people should have been doing omni-channel for a long time now. That's nothing new. When uh, going back to your second question with paid ads or second point about paid ads, yes, it is getting more expensive. Even if you see cost per clicks decreasing, let's take SaaS, for example, and let's say your Salesforce. What Salesforce is seeing right now, um, and I believe the All In podcast was the podcast that was talking about this. What Salesforce is seeing right now is even if CPCs for some of the ads are decreasing, what you're seeing is Salesforce, a lot of these SaaS companies make their money on a per seat basis, right? So a company subscribes, the more employees they have, the more money they make. Well, yeah, your cost per clicks may be going down a little bit, even 10%. But the amount of seats that companies are buying are drastically less, which is causing uh, your CAC for your new LTV to be drastically different, which is making your payback period much longer. Um, and I believe the All In podcast was breaking down. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember which podcast I was listening to that was breaking down, but I'm pretty sure it was the All In podcast. Uh, but Salesforce's CAC went up by more than double right? Uh, which is ridiculous. If your payback period starts becoming too long, it doesn't matter if you have a sticky product. If it takes you hypothetically 10 years to get your money back, that's too long of a return cycle. That's true. And that's a very interesting insight. Uh, I, I would like to know what, what podcasts are that, uh, that insight. Uh, but it, it, I mean, in that context, you, you say that, you know, you know what, omnichannel is something that you should be doing regardless of like the changes in Google and so on and so forth, as I understand it, right? But if we are talking about a website like Canva, you know, which is heavily reliant on organic search, like 
should a, a company like this, uh, like like Canva, should they think about di diversification in terms of user acquisition, or you know what? No, it's too early to to say anything like that. And at the same time, like other channels uh, may be really uh, difficult for you to to get into, and like CACs may not make a, a sense. I wish I could share my screen right now. I tried clicking; it wouldn't let me. But uh, I can. You can show your screen. Yeah. Okay. So check this out. We're talking about Canva here. Okay. You can see my Google trend sheet here or uh, screen here. If I look at Canva and I look at the past 2004 to present, look at Canva's growth. This is how many people are Googling the word Canva. All right. Even if they're using Google for a lot of their traffic, they're getting a lot of traffic from people just typing in the word Canva and going to their website. This is pretty much direct traffic. Yes, they get a lot of traffic from SEO for people looking at like design templates, but they also generate a lot of traffic from word of mouth. The product speaks for itself and is causing a lot of people just to go to the website. For example, HubSpot is a 20 plus billion dollar company uh, based on market cap. Look at HubSpot's popularity, and I'm not trying to throw shade or talk crap on HubSpot. HubSpot's an amazing job. One of the best SaaS companies that I've seen, if not the best SaaS company I've seen in the whole marketing space, okay? Look at HubSpot. Look at how much more popular Canva is. And if I just Google uh, HubSpot right here, and let me just enable this. If I Google HubSpot here, it's saying in the United States, roughly 300,000 people are typing in HubSpot each and every single month. This is just the United States. If I look at Canva right now, on a monthly basis, 7.5 million people are typing in the word Canva. Again, this is just United States. That's not global, right? So it's just like, yes, a lot of these companies get a lot of traffic from SEO, and I'm not saying it's all going to go away. I don't believe it is. I don't even think 50% or anything large like that is going to go away. More so, a lot of these companies who have amazing products and services, they generate a majority of their revenue from people just going directly to the brand. And that's what a lot of people forget about. The bigger established companies, a lot of it is referrals, word of mouth, employees. That's where they're generating a lot of their revenue from. I don't know, man. I th I feel you're in, on a roll today. I mean, I like your answers, and you 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 got very excited there, and I, I and I really like it. Um, by the way, was this uh, data from Uber Suggest? Uh, the search volume data was from Uber Suggest. The other first report was from Google Trends, and anyone can do Google Trends uh, for any website. The Uber Suggest it was a Chrome extension plugin, which is free. Anyone can end up using that as well. Okay, didn't know about that. Uh, that's interesting. Next question I have for you. Uh, Content is uh, something that's connected to SEO, obviously. And traditionally, especially we're talking about B2B, the blog has been one of the main ways to publish and sort of distribute content along with a few other channels like LinkedIn and YouTube. Do you see that change in the, in the near future? I mean, do you see a future where the blog won't be as, as important uh, in terms of like creating content and getting it out there? It, I think it'll always be important, but it's already has it already has become less important than what it was in the past. 
For example, with the introduction of shorts, a lot of people want to consume their information through shorts. And I'm not just talking about information like something that's fun and entertaining. Shorts are a great way to learn recipes. For example, if you're trying to cook, did you know that I can leverage shorts and figure out the news, you know, by following, let's say, uh, or uh, Wall Street Journal or any of the news outlets, and I can get my news really quickly without having to read it. It doesn't mean I don't read still. I read probably for two to three hours a day still today. But I'm also consuming a lot of my information through reels and shorts and stories and all these other formats as well. And what that shifted is it doesn't mean that blogs aren't still important. There's always use cases for people wanting to read and people prefer reading. And there's also people who are on the run who may prefer to consume their information through shorts and reels. It's you have to take an omni-channel approach. And that means also creating your content for different verticals. Did you know there's over a billion blogs in this world, but less than 10 million podcasts? That's a big discrepancy, right? Podcasts aren't as popular as people reading blogs, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a podcast. It's another way for people to consume content. If I'm driving to work, it's great to listen and get my information through podcasting versus reading articles because it's really hard to read article while you're driving a car and that's not safe for other people on the road, nor is it safe for you. You got to try different channels and you got to try different content formats to be on those channels as well. I'd like to shift other gears a bit and uh, I would like to um, discuss uh, some of the SaaS companies in your uh, portfolio. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if you use that term, but you know, I mean, that you uh, companies that you own. Um, and since the podcast is about, you know, SaaS companies, I would like to know how Neil Patel's companies, SaaS companies do marketing and how do they, you know, manage to, to win uh, in this like uh, competitive environment uh, and whether you invest in content SEO for these companies. So one, we do invest in content SEO. Two, we do social media. Three, we do interviews and press. Four, we speak at conferences. And I can keep going on and on. Like we do email marketing, we do conversion optimization. We pretty much take a full approach when it comes to digital marketing. We found the most effective ways to grow SaaS companies is a free approach, not freemium, free approach. What can you give away that's free that people find valuable? If you look at Canva, majority of Canva is free. Yes, Canva is a freemium company, but they were for free for so long before they even had a paywall um, that it's really caused the company to explode and grow. Just think about in SaaS, I believe SaaS is a race to the bottom, uh, especially when you're dealing with SMBs and mid-market. What can you just give away for free? I think even enterprise, they expect to pay less and less for these SaaS products. What can you just give away for free? Think about what everyone else is charging for in your space, give it away for free and figure out something else to sell. And that's the best way to do marketing. So my model with SaaS is SaaS is a race to the bottom, give away as much for free and figure out something else bigger to sell. Here's a great example. Uh, payroll software. That's the example of a SaaS company. There's a lot of them out there. Paychecks, uh, ADT, I believe, or ADP, um, uh, Gusto. There's a lot of payroll software companies out there, right? If I were any of these payroll companies, if I was a new up-and-comer in SaaS, I would give away payroll software for free because it doesn't cost that much to do payroll software. And people want to charge for that. Whether you have one employer or 100 employers, I would give it away for free. And I would hit up all those customers 
and sell them on 401k and insurance plans. And I would even sell them on things like health insurance. You know how big health insurance is compared to uh, 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 payroll? So check this out. I'll share my screen again. Okay. Let's look at Paychex stock. Paychex is one of the biggest payroll providers. $40 billion market cap. Let's look at ADP. ADP is another payroll provider. ADP, $89 billion. Let's look at United Healthcare. United Healthcare stock. $451 billion. United Healthcare is pretty much 10 times bigger than Paychex. If you look at the revenue, now let's get dive into the revenue. Uh, where's the revenue chart? I don't know why there's no revenue chart here. Um, United Healthcare. Why the heck is revenue not showing up? Typical, oh, there you go. Look at this. Revenue is $80 billion. So let's just look at an annual basis. 324, all right? And now if I do paychecks. So that was $324 billion. Where's the revenue here? I don't know why it's not loading today. Okay. $4 billion. 4.6. So what was it? 321 divided by 4.6. 69 times more revenue for United Healthcare. All right. Now their profit is decent. 1.39 billion. United Healthcare probably doesn't have as great margins. I don't I don't know why Google's not loading up the charts right away. All right. But if I look annual basis, 20 billion. Still a good difference, right? So one had uh annual basis is uh that's United Healthcare. Sorry, one was 20 billion. And then let me pull up paychecks stock. I forgot how much profit they did. Financials. There you go. Maybe that'll help. Uh, no. Overview. Sorry. You're seeing my screen still, right? That's right. So 1.39. 20 divided by 1.39. You're looking at 14 times difference in EBITDA. I'd rather have the 20 plus billion dollar EBITDA company. The point I'm getting at is why not just go after paychecks? Give away all of it for free because if you're a company, a lot of your employees want health insurance. When they're in your payroll software, a portion of those people you can sell on health insurance. That's how I see the future of SaaS. Give away stuff for free people are used to paying for and sell them on something bigger. That's where the money is. That's where most people are not investing. Look at what we're doing with Uber Suggest. We're not going after Rush. We're giving away most of the stuff for free and we're selling them on agency services. Okay. There's more money in agency services than there are in software for marketing. And I'll give you a great example of this. I'm going to share my screen again. All right. And again, this is not to talk crap. I think this is an amazing company and I wish I owned it myself, but I don't own it. Look at HubSpot, $1.7 in revenue. They're the largest marketing software company out there that's publicly traded that I know of that is mainly marketing related. 1.73, okay? And if you look at SEM Rush, they've done an amazing job. Again, great company, good for them. They're doing $254 million, lots of users. Now let's look at Omnicom. Omnicom is uh, a holding company. They're a marketing agency. Uh, I don't know why this revenue is not coming. <laughs> OMC stock. Sorry for the technical glitches. 
Sometimes Google's not showing it. Okay, Omnicom, 14 billion in revenue. That's a lot more. People spend a lot more marketing services than they do on marketing software. And Omnicom is just one. I can pull up WPP, Dentsu, Publicis, uh, Publicis, I don't know if I'm spelling it right, Publicis Group, uh, Publicis, three plus billion a quarter in revenue, what's annual, $14 billion. Again, another ad agency, right? Did you know that 40 plus percent of our ad agency customers are Ubersess users? They find us from Ubersess, use us, and then they hire our ad agency. I heard you, you know, say that in, I don't know what was the pod, what the podcast was, my first million or something like that. And that's one of the things that kind of caught my attention. Um, and then you also mentioned that um, on the other one, the other acquisition you did, I, I can recall the, the, the name, um, like a keyword tool or something like that. Again, you saw kind of an overlap between, you yeah, know, the you ended up buying, I think, 8.6, something like that, last February, so not this year in 2022. That was pricey. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about it, but it was pricey. They said they did 100 grand in EBITDA. They don't really do 100 grand in EBITDA because they had no employees, no expenses, which is not real. When you have a company, you're going to need people for support and all this stuff. So the real EBITDA wasn't that much. Um, but right now in our business, even with when we bought it, let's say it didn't really do a hundred. Let's say it did closer to 60 a month in EBITDA. Right now it already does 200 a month in EBITDA. So we were able to fix a lot of stuff and we'll grow it to 300 a month in EBITDA. But we don't care about the EBITDA from the tool. Uh, and EBITDA, right, it's just another word for profit, earnings before interest tax and uh, depreciation and amortization and something like that. Uh, I'm missing around or messing up the order of it. It's earnings before interest, EBIT, uh, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Um, but either way, we'll end up generating a lot of revenue for our agency from the tool. Forget just the software portion. We don't care for the software portion much at all. We think it's a bigger vision to just make the money from the software, uh, from the services. I agree. And you are, you are one of the like first people I, I heard talking about this in my mind, strategy, you know, uh, and I and I think it's uh, massively under leveraged by by agencies. But the argument here, and I I heard your answer uh, regarding that in a, in another podcast, is that yeah, but you know what, like agencies don't scale and so on and so forth. I personally don't agree because you know you look at you know the fastest growing companies in the U.S., for example, and every single year you will see a lot of agencies there. If agencies don't scale as like quickly, how do you see as like so many agencies growing so so fast, right? Because the market is big. The agencies grow so there's so many agencies because the market is just massive on the amount of money people spend on marketing services or design services. It's a huge market. Remember, everyone, you know, people build these businesses and they're like, oh, we want to get to a million in revenue, two million or ten million or a hundred. They're going after a lot of these companies are going after really small niches. It's called TAM, Total Addressable Market. It's much easier to take 0.1% of a $100 billion market than it is to take 50% of a million dollar market. I agree. Um, do you see a future where uh, NP Digital like gets acquired by 
a very like big agency um and yeah we've already had a lot of offers i think we've gotten six seven offers maybe more those are maybe more recent um we don't really care to sell or anything like that i'm not saying we won't or we will um it's more so it's not even about the money don't get me wrong the offers have been great i kind of just love what i'm doing it's just like that phone call i didn't want to take the phone call so i told them a really high amount that would make it worth it for an hour and i could have just done it while i was dropping my kids off to school i more so um want to spend time with my kids so i didn't do the phone call right even if someone wanted to give me a thousand two thousand three thousand dollars an hour if i'm sitting there playing with my kids you could say the money is worth it i should do it but some things in life it's not about money it's about happiness and i'm happy where i am and i'm content that's a great way to uh, wrap things up um last second to last question i have for you what can we expect in the future uh by nb digital or uber suggest or like um you uh uh, like, so we'll, we'll integrate more AI into the tools, of which everyone's already doing. Uh, nothing new there. And NP Digital is going global really fast. I would say by the end of 2022, we're going to be in 20 plus countries. We're already in 16 right now. We just haven't announced them all. And we'll be in 20 by the end of the year, which is for us is kind of cool. It is cool. Um, it's, it's a great strategy. Um, Okay, uh, Neil, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, last question I have for you and, you know, sort of call to action for our listeners. Where can people find out more about you and get in touch? npdigital.com or neilpatel.com. That's great. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, you are a role model for me. Uh, I've been following you since my early days in marketing. Thank you very much for everything that you've done for the marketing world and no, for taking... Fine. For taking the time to do this because i know that you know you're super busy so uh, this means a lot thank you very much thank you for staying with us until the end before you go i'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode ahrefs ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one seo toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis keyword research and technical audits the best part you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.